Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning once again. I again want to welcome you and thank you for being here today. Um, my name is Jeannie. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Brad, our lead pastor, when he heard that the youth were going to Wisconsin, he decided that he wanted to be a youth again. And so he went with them, which, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, um, that's great. They're having a fun time. So um, I am delighted to be able to share with you this morning. Um, you know, it just uh, struck me when we were when we were singing Oceans, and I think the Lord has been speaking to my heart kind of the same way he was speaking to Todd when he, he was talking about that. But, um, you know, some of you know that um, I've kind of transitioned in my, in my role in the last six months or so, and um, it's kind of been a, a um, <laughs> spirit lead me where my trust is without borders kind of thing because... What I was doing before, you know, it was safe. It was comfortable. I knew how to do that. Um, This is less safe, and it's very uncomfortable. But um, God is just expanding my trust. And um, I'm just excited, excited for what God is doing here in my life and in amongst the lives of our people. And can I just tell you that every time I get up here to speak to you, it's like the, the first line of oceans where it says, you called me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. It's like I'm sticking my foot over the side of the boat and I'm getting out on that water and man, it is not a comfortable feeling. But, wow, the way God can grow you and expand your faith and your trust when you do that. So, this isn't part of the message. This is free. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) I just, you know, I just, I want to encourage you. You know, maybe God's not calling you to be a pastor, but he's calling each of us to something. And for each of us, that is like sticking our foot sticking our leg over the side of the boat and then sticking our other one out and getting out and walking on the water. And it's the best place to be. So if God is calling you to do something, do it. And keep your eyes on him above the waves. And whatever God has called you to do, he will equip you to do. So... With that being said, since I'm sticking my foot out of the boat and (laughs) trying to keep my eyes above the waves, would you please pray with me this morning as we get started? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are absolutely trustworthy. 
Lord, we thank you (laughs) that with you we can walk on water. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. Lord, quiet our minds, quiet our hearts, and let us hear the message that you have for us today. I pray that your spirit would speak through me and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Oh God, my rock and my salvation. We ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So we are in our third week of our series, The Good and Beautiful Life. And I know that some of you haven't been able to be here, or some of you just can't remember what was said from week to week. So for those of you who fall into either of those categories, I'm going to give you a quick review. So the first week we talked about happiness and how usually the happiness in our lives is based on our circumstances. We learned that a happiness based on circumstances leads to a life that is based on vices. To live a good and beautiful life, we need to have a life based on virtue. For our soul training that week, we wrote a letter to God saying, Dear God, the life I want most for myself is, and then we filled in the blank. Last week, we learned about a gospel that many of us had never heard before. The good news, the kingdom of heaven is near. We learned that for many of us, faith has been an anticipation of what we're waiting for. And the good news is that the words repent for the kingdom of heaven have come near are not a threat, but they're actually an invitation to a life of intimacy and interaction with God. The kingdom of heaven is not just in the future. It is near in this moment. The kingdom of heaven is not about God getting us into heaven. It's about God getting heaven into us. If you are a follower of Jesus then you are the new near. We learn that the kingdom of heaven is present the more we present Jesus to others. Our soul training last week was to learn to play again. Now, hopefully some of you actually did this. You know, it was, it's good. Hopefully you were reminded through play of the importance of having a childlike faith. So, now you're caught up. Here we are in week three, and this week we will be receiving a grand invitation. There we go. A grand invitation. Uh, By the way, thanks to David Janchek for doing the slides today. Give grace. This is his his rookie Sunday. So, you know, (laughs) he's doing a great job. So thank you, David. Um... So the grand invitation. Have you ever been part of an exclusive club? Or has there ever been a club or a group 
that you really wanted to be part of, but you were excluded? Well, the year was 19, and I was in high school. <laughs> I was in the choir. In fact, I accompanied the choir. I was on the basketball team, the hockey team, real hockey, field hockey. Um, I was a cheerleader. Please don't try to picture that. I was on the student council. I played my flute in our little worship band, and I participated in whatever play we were doing that year. But there was one group, one group, that I wasn't a part of, and I wanted to be in that group so badly. That group was the kids who were in boarding. I know you're all intrigued now. So I should probably give you a little background. I attended um, a small school for missionary kids, and it was a boarding school. Most of the people's parents lived in other parts of the country, hours and hours away, and they had to send their kids to um, a boarding school for them to get their education. Now, when I say small, I'm saying um, there were only about 25 kids in the high school. The problem was that my parents were on staff at the school. That's right, I was a staff kid. And it was the worst. I was in the very small minority of kids who weren't in boarding, and I was missing all the good stuff. You see, when I went home in the afternoon and evening, that's when all the fun stuff happened. My classmates had roommates and inside jokes. They got to hang out in their house parents' apartments in the evenings and drink coffee and talk and play games. They had midnight feasts and sing-alongs and who knows whatever, what other fun stuff I missed. Even worse, because I was a staff kid, they thought that I was spoiled, which in some ways I was because, let's face it, my mom's cooking was far superior to that of the cooks in the dorm. They also thought that I was a snitch, which I totally wasn't. I just want to make that clear. I was on the outside looking in at a group that I would never be able to be a part of. I'm sure that most of you can relate in some way. Many of you probably can think of a group that you wanted to be a part of, because, but you couldn't because you didn't qualify for some reason. It isn't fun. In today's passage, Jesus is actually addressing those who didn't qualify to be a part of the in-crowd we are once again going to be looking at the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. For those of you who don't know who Matthew was, I want to give you a little background. Matthew was a former tax collector. Ugh, they hated tax collectors. I mean, they were worse, way worse than the IRS, okay? Way worse. Um, he was a former tax collector who left his crooked and corrupt life to follow Jesus. Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and so he gives us an inside look at the life of Jesus. Today's passage is actually so well known that I'm sure that each one of you could quote at least a portion of it. In fact, I couldn't believe this, it was even read during the president's inauguration last year. So listen to these words. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now this passage is commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. Now, before we get into what the Beatitudes are, we need to talk about what they are not. If you're like me, you have some misconceptions of what Jesus was talking about here, and we need to clear those up first. When I was younger, yes, I, have, I was younger than I am now, believe it or not. Um, when I was younger, I always thought that these verses were called the Beatitudes because they were attitudes that Christians were supposed to have. So they were the B-attitudes. This is clearly a misconception that needs to be cleared up. Beatitude comes from the Latin word beatus, which means blessed. Now that makes sense. The bigger misconception that we need to clear up is that this is some kind of list that we need to check off in order to achieve blessing from God. This is not a list of characteristics that every follower of Jesus needs to have in order to gain God's blessing. Listen to that again. This is not a list of characteristics that every follower of Jesus needs to have in order to gain God's blessing. If we look at the Beatitudes from an if I do these things, then God will bless me perspective, we have slipped into legalism. Legalism, simply put, is an attempt to earn God's favor or blessing by performing a prescribed list of rules. To interpret this passage this way is not only incorrect, but it sets us up to completely misunderstand the entire Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. So the next two whole chapters of Matthew where he preached one of the greatest, well, the greatest sermon that the world has ever heard. We need to remember that the main subject of Jesus' preaching or his proclamation, remember last week? Proclamation. The main subject is the kingdom of God. When Jesus arrived on the scene, everyone was wondering when God was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. The people of Israel had been in exile and then oppressed by foreign governments and empires for hundreds of years. They were waiting for God's promised Messiah who they thought was going to restore an earthly kingdom to Israel. Now, there were some requirements for being a part of this earthly kingdom of God. First, you had to be Jewish. God was going to restore the kingdom to Israel, and if you had the misfortune of being born a Gentile, you were out. Second, you had to be male. In those days, women were considered second class or merely property. In fact, 
I couldn't believe this. Some religious leaders taught that women did not even have the same souls as men. Right? Ladies, aren't you glad we're living in 2018? (laughs) As I am up here on the platform. What? Number three, you had to be a faithful law keeper. If you did not keep the over 600 prescribed laws and rituals that were nearly impossible to keep, you were excluded from the kingdom. So if you didn't keep the Sabbath or eat kosher, you were out. Those who were obvious sinners, like tax collectors and prostitutes, were never going to get in. Fourth, you had to be physically healthy. To be sick was a sign that there was sin in your life and you were cursed by God. If you had a disease or were born with a birth defect, you were out. Fifth, you had to be wealthy. It was believed that those who were poor had been abandoned by God, so clearly they were not welcome in the kingdom. So from the Jewish perspective at the time, you needed to be a healthy, wealthy, highly religious Jewish man to be a part of God's kingdom. And Jesus came along and completely turned everything about the expected kingdom upside down. He had a former tax collector as one of his disciples. He ate with other tax collectors. He touched the lepers. He spent time with women who had a reputation and not a good one. And he even healed and forgave Gentiles. In fact, He even spent time with a Gentile woman. Jesus completely messed with the religious leader's exclusive view of the kingdom. In another part of Matthew, he's even recorded as telling the Pharisees and religious leaders, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. (laughs) How is this possible? Remember last week? The kingdom of heaven is near. How? Because Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. He is the living, breathing, true life expression of the kingdom of heaven. How were tax collectors and sinners entering the kingdom ahead of the religious elite? Because to come into contact and have your life changed by Jesus is to enter the kingdom. Is it any wonder then that the marginalized of society flocked to Jesus? He inaugurated a different kind of kingdom. The kingdom was no longer an exclusive club. The Beatitudes were not a list that were going to further divide the religious haves and the have-nots. Instead, these are words of hope and healing for those who have been pushed to the margins of society. This is good news for those who are outside looking in. So now that we know all of this, let's take a little bit of a closer look. First, we need to understand the words that Jesus says at the beginning of each beatitude. The translation that we have been using translates them as blessed are. And some translations use the words happy are. Here's the problem with these translations. Neither of them really does the word that Jesus used justice. In fact, they actually do us an injustice. 
blessed tends to be a religious word that has lost a lot of meaning for us. We often hear people say, I'm so blessed. And while that may be true, I think that we will establish that that was not what Jesus was talking about. As we learned a few weeks ago, we tend to associate the word happy with circumstances. So that's why that is not really an accurate word to use either. The Greek word that is used is makarios, which means truly well-off, or those for whom everything is good. Makarios sayings taught by rabbis like, blessed is the man who lives with a sensible wife, and blessed is the man who finds a friend, were actually fairly well-known in Jesus' time, and those listening to Jesus would have been familiar with them. And these sayings kind of make sense. We can see how a man who has a sensible wife, like my husband, or who finds a friend, would be well off. But Jesus took these sayings and completely turned them on their ear. He was looking out at a crowd of people who were poor, desperate, and marginalized, and telling them that they were well off. So first, Jesus talks to about the poor in spirit. And when he's talking about the poor in spirit, we typically think that he's talking about those who are humble, but he's really talking about more than humility. He's talking about those who are spiritually destitute and those who are literally poor. These are the people who society would usually think have no place before God. In other words, blessed are those who are feeling marginalized from God. You also are invited to be a part of his kingdom. These people were in the crowd listening to Jesus, and these people are probably here today. If you feel like someone who the world overlooks, Jesus is talking to you. You are invited and you are welcome in the kingdom of heaven. Next, Jesus talks to a group of people who are feeling hopeless. And he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When Jesus is talking about those who mourn, he is most likely referring to people who, uh, who have experienced loss and are dealing with overwhelming grief. He is talking to people like Justin, whose wife died of cancer just after Thanksgiving, leaving him to raise three young daughters on his own. He is talking to someone like me, whose sister died suddenly three weeks after I was married. He is talking to many others who have experienced unimaginable loss. Jesus is saying that in his kingdom, we can mourn with a feeling of hope. To mourn in the kingdom is not the same as mourning outside of the kingdom. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. In the kingdom, we are comforted with the hope of the resurrection. While we still feel the pain of loss, we know that Christ has defeated death 
and that we will be reunited with our loved ones. Jesus then addresses those who are meek. Now, we usually think of meek as being a positive thing because we equate it with gentleness, which Paul lists in Galatians as one of the marks of being a follower of Jesus. However, the word that Jesus probably used for meek in this case was the word preus, which refers to those who are unable to defend themselves or retaliate when they are harmed. This is not a positive position to be in in the eyes of the world. But again, Jesus tells these people that they are blessed because they will inherit the earth. So what, I'm sure you're asking, does he mean by inherit the earth? Well, in this case, when Jesus says earth, what he means is, wait for it, earth. Life-changing, right? Yep, he is actually talking about land. Most of the people who were listening to Jesus were likely too poor to own land or homes and were oppressed by wealthy owners. Jesus is saying they will get their due because the whole earth belongs to God and is available to them in their need. Next, Jesus speaks to those who he describes as hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Again, to us, this sounds like a good thing because we think that it means those who are seeking after what is right and just. However, we need to note that Jesus talks to those who are hungry and thirsty. This is more than just seeking after what is right and just. These are people who are literally starving for it, and they are starving for it because it is not something that they currently have. Maybe these people have had an injustice forced upon them, or maybe they are those who are far from living a right life. Again, this is not an enviable position to be in, but Jesus tells us that there is good news for this group as well. He tells us that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Jesus was ushering in a new kind of kingdom where love and forgiveness would reign and we can be restored to a right relationship with God. Then he goes on and he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In this case, Jesus is talking about those people who give until it hurts. When I think of these kind of people, I think of those who, though they can barely make ends meet themselves, give food to others who are struggling. I think of those who would give the shirt off their back to someone who is in need. Some of you may have seen this picture this week. This homeless man on the L in Chicago was wearing shoes full of holes. Another man on the train noticed and gave him the boots right off of his feet. This is what Jesus was talking about when he was referring to the merciful. I think that it's safe to say that many of us strive to live this way. But when we do, it makes us vulnerable. It opens us up to people being able to take advantage of us. And again, it's not necessarily an enviable position to be in. But this beatitude comes with a promise. 
the merciful will be shown mercy. In a world where punishment and retaliation are prized over mercy, God's kingdom is bringing something new. A kingdom where kindness and mercy are noticed by God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Again, most of us here strive to be pure in heart, especially in a world where we see death, destruction, and impure motives all around us. We want to see God. Jesus based this beatitude on Psalm 24 that says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Imagine the people who were sitting and listening to Jesus speak. Their longing for purity would never be fulfilled because the laws of society were stacked against them. They would never be perfect. And Jesus once again gives hope by telling them that they will see God. And this was not just a promise for the future. Because they had seen Jesus, they saw God. They found what they were longing for and were truly well off. Jesus then addresses those who are peacemakers. He tells them that they will be called children of God. These are the people who stand in the middle of those who are fighting. Sometimes they are actually caught in the middle. This past week, we actually took time to celebrate the life of a famous peacemaker. Martin Luther King Jr. was known for his commitment to bringing justice for all races in a peaceful way. And we know that his story didn't end well. In fact, he died in a violent way because of his desire to be a peacemaker. Again, this isn't a position that most of us want to be in. Peacemakers are willing to suffer and perhaps to even die for the cause of peace. Here's where this gets good. Children often resemble their parents. I'm often told, well, you look like your dad. Men, our God is a peacemaker. Men and women who are peacemakers will be called children of God because they resemble their heavenly father. What a great place to be. Lastly, we come to those who are persecuted. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we admire those who are willing to suffer for their faith. We are even a little bit in awe of those who are willing to face death with courage and even joy. When you think about it, though, is this really something that's valued in our society? We get offended when somebody says, Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas, and we say that there's a war on Christmas. We are easily offended by even the smallest criticism. We want our rights, and we want them now. We want to be recognized when we do things well. We want to be praised, not persecuted. Here's the thing, though. When we pursue righteousness and the justice that goes along with that, 
we are going against the grain of our society, and persecution will eventually come. Following Jesus is a dangerous life if we are following him the way he calls us to do. When we choose to pursue peace and justice, to tell the truth and not to judge others, we will face opposition. But here is the promise for the persecuted. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we put our priorities in line with those of Jesus and follow him, We are part of the kingdom of heaven. So where does this leave all of us? There are a few more important things that we need to know. The people that have been mentioned in the Beatitudes are not blessed because they were in those situations. They are blessed because of Jesus. There is hope because the invitation to the kingdom of heaven is an invitation to all. This is the grand invitation. What makes this invitation radical is that the poor, the grieving, the meek, those who are starving for righteousness, the merciful, those who don't measure up, those who bring peace, and those who are persecuted have as much access to the kingdom as those who are wealthy and happy. In the book of Luke, after giving a similar list of those who receive blessing, Jesus actually gives a warning to the wealthy and happy. He says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Uh, It doesn't exactly give you a warm, fuzzy feeling, does it? Now, I know that you're all thinking, wait, didn't you just say that the invitation to the kingdom is for everyone? Yes, I did. Jesus gives this warning because often those who are wealthy, satisfied, and happy think that they don't have any need for God. It's important to know that the grand invitation to the kingdom is for everyone rich and poor, happy and sad. We just need to remember, no matter what our situation, we need God. God is not against people having money or enjoying food. What matters is how we use our wealth in a world where there are people who are severely lacking. When we joyfully share our wealth with those who have less, We help to bring the kingdom. So here's what I want you to know this morning. Jesus was the kingdom of heaven in the flesh. Jesus embodied and fulfilled the Beatitudes. He invites us into a good and beautiful life that reflects a relationship with him. When we follow Christ, we become living Beatitudes. Those who are walking, talking blessings to the world. When we follow Christ, we become living witnesses to a better kingdom where everyone, everyone receives the grand invitation to experience the grace and mercy of God. Did you hear that? Everyone. 
each one of you in this room and everyone outside of it receives a grand invitation to experience the grace and mercy of God. So what do I want you to do this week? I want you to practice hospitality. If you learned anything today, I hope you learned that God cares deeply about those who are left out. When we practice hospitality, we learn to be inclusive, which is how the kingdom works. Now I get that hospitality doesn't come naturally to everyone, and that's why I say practice. Guess what? Todd wasn't born being able to play the guitar like this. He practiced. I wasn't born being able to play the piano like I do. I practice. And it's the same with hospitality. You can do better if you practice. So now I get that not everyone is able to have people over their house. I barely have room in my house for the four people that actually live there. So there are other ways to practice hospitality. Take someone out for coffee, someone who perhaps you don't know very well and maybe is a little outside of your comfort zone. If going to coffee is even too big of a step for you, then start to listen to people. Take the time to notice those around you and actually listen to them. Be a preparer. When you do the little things to prepare for someone, it shows them that they are cared for and important. Pay attention to those you love. Turn off the TV. Put down the phone. Have a conversation. Talk to your children or your spouse or your coworkers. Finally, welcome others into your group. Invite people to join you in the things that you enjoy. As we learn to have hospitality, we will continue to understand the kingdom better. And now I can think of no better way to respond to this message than to invite you to participate in the table. This table is a place of inclusion, and God invites everyone to participate. So with those who are serving communion this morning, please come forward. And would you please pray with me as we enter this time now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grand invitation that you give all of us. We thank you that it doesn't matter whether we are rich or poor, whether we are healthy or sick, whether we are in or out, we can all be in your kingdom. Lord, make us walking and talking beatitudes. Help us to be living, breathing blessings to the world around us. We ask, Lord, that you would use this time as we respond to further deepen our faith in you. 
And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.